Hi, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 25, and this episode is called As You Are. Uh, I am coming off of a trip that I recently took, that I took this week to St. Louis, Missouri, and I visited a friend, and uh, this friend has, actually, he's been on this podcast before, my friend Ryan Thomas Niece from episode 17, and I visited his counseling center in St. Louis. He asked me to come do what's called a group process for his counseling practice, and um, they do this quarterly so, you know, every three to four months or so, they do this time where they all get together and they check in with each other and they share where they're at, each of them. And it was something. It was a huge honor to be there. It was precious and treasured time for me, um, it was very meaningful, it was very deep, and uh, I'm actually, those of you who know me won't be surprised by this, but I'm actually very emotional coming off of that time because it really, it was very precious, and um, I'm kind of still processing it a little bit. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it today. Today's probably going to be a shorter episode because... I really, it's weird. I sometimes just don't have something I really want to talk about at length. And so I kind of go off the cuff at times. There's a moth. Oh, there's a moth flying right in my, in my face. Just trying to get in on the action. So there are some times when I just literally can't think of a topic to talk about, but, uh, I wanted to talk about this because it feels real. It feels, um, it feels kind of like what's on the table today. So I thought I'd talk about that. Um, what stood out to me the most about this process is that it still astonishes me that there are so few places where you can really be yourself, where you can really come just as you are and not worry about being judged or you sort of come without pretense or with very minimal pretense. Uh, and it's not, and it's not scary and it's not risky to the extent where you're, you know, you're not going to be safe. It's still risky because all relationship is risky, but it's still astonishing to me that there are so few places like this where um, you can find people who are not judgmental, who are, uh, I mean, I don't know a ton of people who are, who I spend a lot of time with who are really judgmental people at this point in my life because I mostly spend time with people who are pretty integrated and who have grown a lot in their lives and have spent a lot of energy and time 
working toward a place of non-judgmental observation of themselves and the world and others. So that being said, I, I feel very blessed. Very, I feel very lucky to have so much access to people who actually are integrated in this way. And they've sort of who they are on the outside is who they are on the inside. And, um, that's a gift, uh, even though it's hard to find, or even though, even when it's easy to find, I still think it's such a gift. And it's something that I personally have been really working on over the last, mm, <laughs> I don't know, 35 years <laughs> or so, but particularly the last 10 years, I guess I've really been trying to work through this. And uh, the last three years have been uh, very fruitful in this capacity. And I've had a lot of friends who are kind and give me messages about myself that I can eventually sort of have a collection of in my innermost being so that I don't have to rely on others to sort of give me this, these messages of acceptance and these messages of, you know, no matter whatness, um, so I'm grateful for that, and uh, it's been a gift. All that to say. So I am also, when I came home from St. Louis, as I was driving, or as I was flying home from St. Louis, I remembered, I was sort of like looking, sometimes I get a little restless in my reading, and I end up reading a couple things at the same time. And I started a book called... A Hidden Wholeness by Parker Palmer. If you've never heard of Parker Palmer and you like what you hear on this podcast, Parker Palmer is one of my spiritual heroes. Um, not just spiritual. He's just, he's just one of my heroes. He's one of those people. He makes a hero because he's this person that I hope to be like as I, as I age and change and grow because he has such incredible wholeness in his own life. And he's worked through so many of his own, um, disintegrated parts, I guess you could say, like he's worked through so much of his own stuff so that he really is very much the same, or he, he attempts on, in most, on most occasions to be the same person on the outside as he is on the inside. So, this book, A Hidden Wholeness, is really about how, you know, we all tend to have these fault lines down the center of our lives. And we uh, come with personas. We come with, you know, we've talked about this a million times on this podcast because it's so, because it's so prevalent. Like, if you feel like I'm repeating myself, uh, I get that. I totally get it. And I don't really want to repeat myself. And I hope to bring fresh things to this podcast. And at the same time, I also know that practice makes practice that there's this, oh my gosh, this moth is incredible. <laughs> it's like one of those little grain moths. He's tiny little, oh, he likes my carpet in my room here, my, uh, right side up room. Okay. I think he's gone now. Um, ugh, see, this is what happens. I can't, a moth that distracts me. It's like the ADD in this room is ridiculous. Um, ugh, 
I repeat myself. That's what I was saying. I repeat myself. And the reason that I do that is because this world makes it very easy to be divided. This society makes it very easy to be inauthentic. It gives us a lot of excuses. It gives us a lot of outs. And it gives us a lot of opportunities to escape authenticity. So, um, yeah, like for an example, one of the things that Parker Palmer says is a fault line runs down the middle of my life at times, divorcing my words and actions from the truth I hold within things around me get shaky and fall apart. Um, and then he talks about the society that we live in, again, like just making it so very easy to put on this duplicity, this sort of false self and inauthenticity. And he basically talks about how inauthenticity and projections, which means like we take the stuff inside of us and we sort of project it like a, like a movie, uh, projector onto someone else or onto another relationship. And he talks about how this inauthenticity in our projection, our ability to project basically provides this, you know, basically what we do is we show up to this duplicity instead of this integration. And we don't have this life giving energy toward others or toward toward ourselves. So it's congruence, and that's really what I want to talk about just for today as I reflect on my time in St. Louis with um, these lovely Change Incorporated people from my friend's practice. Um, These therapists who are working so hard to be non-duplicitous, to be congruent, and it's really inspiring, and it's really beautiful. And again, especially because this world makes it so easy to take our woundedness because we're all wounded, right? Like we all have wounds. We all have pain. We all hold on to things from our past that have happened to us that hurt. And we take those things and we either numb them or we let them fracture us into pieces so that we show up in pieces um you know like we talked about this before like when I'm with one person uh we talked about this with like the Johari window it's this like I show up with one person I'm this persona I show up with this other person I'm this persona and it's just very pathological it sort of divides us further and it takes um this whole self that we are sort of made to be and we stay divided. We don't enter into that whole self. And what happens actually is sometimes it gets rewarded even to be duplicitous, to be sort of um, this, uh, what do I say? How do I call this like... um, a convenient version of yourself that maybe it serves a system or maybe it serves uh, 
when I say system, I mean like a corporation or a business or a department or something like that. But what's so interesting is that what happens to us as we, as we live a divided life is that we begin to not recognize ourselves. We begin to live out of this image that is not true. And we, we take on this, the false qualities of this duplicitous self. My hamster, speaking of true self, my hamster is running on her wheel. My hamster, Willow, is right next to me here. I always record next to her. <laughs> this is, she's nocturnal, so she's waking up right now. So you might hear her running in, on her wheel in the background. She's as sweet as can be. Um, so this duplicitous self is not serving us, but it might be serving systems that we're in. It might be serving businesses because it serves sort of like um, the wheels that turn in systems. Um, think about a family for a second. Think about a family system. And, you know, there have been situations that I've heard of from clients in the past or, you know, just kind of in passing, just people telling their stories. Um, you know, say there's, there's an alcoholic parent in the family and there's several children and a mother, uh, maybe it's the dad who's an alcoholic. I don't mean to stereotype at all. There's plenty of equal opportunity for addiction here, um, among men and women. But so just for the sake of this example, um, the dad is an alcoholic. There are several children and there's a mother and, um, there's a sort of family system rule that nobody talks about the fact that dad is an alcoholic, right? We don't talk about our feelings about it. We don't talk about, um, the hardships that it causes. We don't talk about it at school. Um, these are the kinds of things that I've heard a bunch of times with those who are children of alcoholics. Um, or any kind of people who are addicted to substances, I guess. But um, this system perpetuates a duplicitous, duplicitous selves. It perpetuates the father's living a duplicitous self. The father's living um, the alcoholic self, and he's living the non-alcoholic self. He's living the shame self. He's living the the ashamed father self. You know, he's living all these fractured pieces out the mother might be living out, um, an enabling self, one that is partially one, maybe a self that is protective of the children. And then maybe a self that is afraid of protecting the children for fear that she will be hurt herself, either emotionally or physically or both. And that's the duplicitous side of the parents, let alone, don't, you know, this isn't even a, to mention the children, the children are living these lives of, um, fractured selves because they're not allowed to speak of, they're not allowed to name these experiences for fear because it's such a great risk to, to, um, the system and they know they'll get beaten potentially or shamed or psychologically tortured or abused. So, this is just a, this is an example of the kind of stuff that happens every day where we live fractured lives. And maybe this is not your experience, but I'm sure you can think of your own experience. And it doesn't mean, here's the thing. I'm not, I don't want, I don't like talking about 
things in binary terms and like black and white terms. It's not like, oh, this dad is bad because he's an alcoholic and he's putting the system, the family system through hell. Um, that's just not the kind of thing I'm talking about here because everyone, there's, everything is so much more complex than that. I have to say, um, is it harmful? Yes. Is it abusive? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Um, it would be completely different if these children in this family system did not have to live in this setting. But the fact is, is that maybe one day one of the kids says something like, yeah, my dad's an alcoholic. Can you imagine like the, you know, the record scratch (laughs) that would happen in a family system where the rule has been keep the secret, keep the, keep this dance going, keep this sort of regularity of this system where we don't talk about things. Uh, keep it up. Don't, don't disturb that. So being duplicitous is rewarded in a setting where someone is being protected, where an abuse is being protected or a dis, um, a dysregulation is being protected or some kind of incongruence or harmful state is being protected. And yet this person who takes the risk of being congruent, this person who takes a risk of saying, this is messed up. Like this is not okay. And it has to be in a safe setting. It has to be in a situation where it's safe for that person to to say that. Um, otherwise they could get harmed much more, obviously, but all of this to say, this is just, I'm just giving an example of sort of what it's like to potentially like a potential example of what, it, what it's like to live a, uh, an incongruent life or a duplicitous life. But then I see these people like the ones that I walked through group process with this weekend in my friend's practice and I hear them share their stories and I hear them share their truest hearts and I hear them uh, share their fears and their joys and what they want and the things they celebrate and enjoy and it's so brilliant like it's like it's like a diamond in the sunlight to see this because it's so beautiful to see someone take what's on the inside and allow it to be on the outside because enough stuff, enough work has happened, enough safety has been provided, um, enough, you know, redemptive and corrective experiences have occurred in these people's lives that, um, they can be on the outside who they are on the inside. Ugh, it's just, my gosh, it's so beautiful. This is really, this is my dream for the world in some ways. Like, I, I wish everyone could experience this. I wish that uh, we could all be free of what we sense are the imperatives of our systems, like the rules of these systems around us to be disintegrated, to be divided. I wish we could just be divided no more. I wish we could just be congruent. We could just be the same and we can be integrated on the outside and the inside. 
and sort of offer that sacred within space, that sacred inside space of yourself to the world. That is life in the whirlwind, if you ask me. Um, the whirlwind is not safe, but it's, but life is good. And um, to show up even in the midst of the whirlwind, because you can't wait. Here's the thing. This is what's so interesting about living authentically. You can't wait to live authentically when the circumstances are easy, right? We talked about this in a previous episode of Optimal Conditions. You can't just wait until it's easy. You gotta, it always requires risk. So calculated risk, yeah, sure. But just remember, it always requires a risk of some kind um, to show up undivided, to show up um, to this table. And um, here's what I, here's like a mini, here, here's the invitation, I guess, is this. Consider for yourself, is there anybody in your life who has, who you've seen dare greatly and like show up first? You know, it's like kind of like, I'll go first. <laughs> like even in this group process, it's sort of like we showed up at the group process and I, we sort of had like a little warming up time. Um, and then I sort of waited to see who would like to go first. And it's always a really big risk to be the person who says, Hey, I'll go first, you know? And that's not just in group process. That's in the world. That's in our social circles. Like to say, Hey, I'll go first. I'm going to show up first before every, before everybody else has, I'm just going to go ahead. And, um, so can you think of somebody in your life who has done that, where you've seen somebody go first, you've seen somebody show up authentically, and um, what did that feel like? How did you perceive that? What did it make you want to do? Um, did it bolden you to do it yourself? Um, did it feel like that person was coming to get you in a good way, like in a safe way? They were coming to look for you, to see you, and to show up yourself. Um, exposure is a very tricky situation, isn't it? Um, to be, you know, this word naked is, I don't just mean like skin naked, like physically naked. This word means something to us. Like to be exposed it can happen in any form. When you look someone in the eyes, that's exposure. When you, um, when you say something that lives inside of you, that's difficult to say and is risky to show, but you kind of sense that this person is safe. That's risky. That's, that's bold. It's exposing. And this is a, it's a hard thing and it's a really beautiful thing. So consider who has done that and you've seen it happen. And again, just consider like, what did that do to you? What did it inspire you to feel, think, want to do? Um, were you able to take a greater risk because somebody else took this risk with you? If so, is it time for you to take a risk with someone is it time for you to potentially go first or show up as you are? 
and try it out, you know, not put on a persona. Um, like, have you ever done this? This is an, this is an interesting thing. Like, um, have you ever said something and the people around you kind of like looked at each other right after you said it, like, uh, what, like that, like this awkward sort of stare around the room. And then you feel like you have to cover yourself. Like you feel like you've been exposed in a way that you didn't want to be because it wasn't safe. And you try to cover yourself. Like you try to hide. This is a very natural tendency, but, um, that doesn't say anything about you. It doesn't say when someone else is uncomfortable, when you show yourself, your real self, like you authentically, um, like, you know, again, this is a cost benefit analysis. Like you get to decide what you share or don't share, but, but like, it's not about you if they're uncomfortable, that's about them. Like that's them. Their response to you is them. And just keep remembering this. I'm going to keep bringing this to you because I want you to remember this. And I'm working on this myself. It's hard to believe. I know, but trust me, there are safe people out there who will not do this. They will not make you feel this way in, in the sense of they won't roll their eyes when you say stuff. Um, I took a big risk with a friend recently and sort of like put something out there in a pretty descriptive way like, oh wow, that situation makes me feel hopeless. And I remember like when I said it, I, I literally like, wanted to physically curl up in a ball and I kept having to sort of keep myself present with this friend, but this friend is really safe. And so I knew I could say this stuff and I could talk about the hopelessness that I felt and that it was just a feeling. And I could talk about that, um, and be supported and loved in the midst of it. And the next day that person shared very earnestly, Hey, when you said that, when you were really vulnerable and that like left a mark in my mind and it was really beautiful. And I really appreciate you sharing that vulnerably with me. That's a very corrective experience. Um, I've gone far with this friend, so I knew that it was safe to do so, but, um, you know, give the, give somebody, here's the real invitation. Give, don't give people the fine China but find somebody who seems kind of, who seems safe to be as you are and give them the like everyday plates first, give them the dinnerware, you know, the stuff that you eat on every day, <laughs> not the fine China of your life, of your insides, of your person. Um, but just give them like, you know, the plate that you eat dinner off of every day. Not literally, you know what I'm saying? This is a figurative language here but just give them something like to see how it goes and see what they do with it and then continue to give them a little bit more and a little bit more, take a little more risk and take a little more, um, chance to give them something harder. People will fail you, but you should still show up as you are because it's really good to be seen. Being known transforms us. And I can say that from, from experience. Totally. Um, it's powerful. So yeah, that's my invitation this week. Here's this blessing I want to read to you. I, last year, eh, maybe 
two years ago. I can't remember. I read this book called Tattoos on the Heart. It's by a guy named Gregory Boyle. And it's actually about this guy who works with uh, gang members in, I want to say LA or something. I can't remember. But yeah, I think it's LA. And um, he just, he talks so much. Like I've never seen such a picture of unconditional love in my entire life than I have with this guy. And I kind of want to talk more about what unconditional love is because I've been learning a lot about it and how it's more present than we know and more present than we sometimes acknowledge. So, um, okay, here's what Gregory Boyle says in one of his, he says this in chapter four of the book, Tattoos on the Heart. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. I like even more what Jesus does not say. He does not say, one day, if you are more perfect and you try really hard, you'll be a light. He doesn't say, if you play by all the rules and you cross your T's and you dot your, dot your I's, then maybe you'll become light someday. No, he says straight out, you are light. It is the truth of who you are, waiting only for you to discover it. So for God's sake, don't move. No need to contort yourself to be anything other than who you are. You are light. So show, what would it be like to just show up as light as you are? Just consider that. Last week we talked about the lampshades. Think about that one today. I really hope you're showing up more and more as I repeat myself over and over by week by week. I hope that it continues to encourage you to show up because you're beautiful. You are, you belong as you are. And I hope that as you show up, you believe that. Take great care of yourself this week and send me an email if you want life in the whirlwind at gmail.com life in the whirlwind no spaces no underscores just life in the whirlwind at gmail.com send me an email tell me how this is working out for you tell me the challenges tell me the benefits tell me what it's like um how is this stuff impacting you i'm putting this podcast out to so many people hundreds and hundreds of people i don't even know who this is and i really would love to hear how this stuff is impacting you. Um, how's it meeting you? What are you? What are your challenges? And what are your, what are the things that you just find amazing about this? Okay, take great care. Talk to you next week. <laughs>